The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. And coming up, we're going to continue our look at what the NFC East has done in free agency and preview the NFL draft and take a look at what the teams inside the Eagles division could do later this month with Jim Sonnes from NumberFire.com. Jim's an old colleague of mine from when I was writing uh, baseball articles for NumberFire.com, and uh, he's been taking a look at free agency and the NFL draft, and he'll give us the skinny on how well he thinks the rest of the teams in the division have done so far this offseason. But before we get into that, the Eagles have made some news over the last couple of days that we should pass along. And the Birds have made a couple free agent signings uh, over the last couple of days, and we'll run those down for you here. You can tell it's a totally new Eagles regime, by the way, when they go out and prioritize adding a linebacker in free agency. Although, you know, the LJ Ford fiasco tells us not to count our chickens before they're hatched. But uh, the Eagles signed former Vikings linebacker Eric Wilson to a one-year deal this week worth up to three and a quarter million dollars. There is a connection to the Eagles here with Wilson. Uh, linebackers coach Nick Rallis uh, spent time as Wilson's assistant position coach for the last three years in Minnesota. So, you know, so much of the time when you're adding free agents or you're trading for players, there's always some kind of coaching connection, uh, and especially here with the Eagles over the last few years, and that continues to be the case. Now, Wilson turns just 27 years old in September, so he's a younger player and became a full-time starter for the Vikings last year. Had a really solid season for them, too. Recorded 122 tackles, eight passes defended, three interceptions, and one forced fumble. Clearly, he's the number one linebacker on the roster right now. He'll be atop the depth chart. He'll be the guy starting at middle linebacker unless something totally unforeseen happens. And I'm still kind of trying to figure out how the Eagles got their hands on him at this stage in the offseason for for as little as they did and considering the salary cap situation that they're in. And we know that this is not a position the Eagles have prioritized a whole lot in recent offseasons. They did, again, like I mentioned, uh, sign LJ Fort to a contract very early in the offseason two years ago when it seemed he was like their third free agent off the board and they gave him a lot of guaranteed money and then Jim Schwartz never played him, and they cut him in midseason, and the Baltimore Ravens picked him up in a hurry, and he played great for them in the second half of the 2019 season to the point where they signed him to a contract extension before the season was out. And LJ Fort would have been a very big help in the Eagles def- on, on the Eagles' defense these last couple of years. And so we're kind of—I ho- don't think this is going to go that way. Um, Eric Wilson has uh, has has a little bit more to his resume than LJ Fort did when the Eagles picked him up. However, 
the Eagles' track record with signing linebackers of late has not been great. But uh, this is a this is a good signing. This is a I mean, it's not a signing that's going to really move the needle for the Eagles as far as win loss totals go. But it does make the defense better and definitely shores up an, a position that is still a weakness for this team. He is expected to start at middle linebacker for the Eagles, but he'll join a collection of linebackers that's. I guess the best way, the nicest way to put it, is less than proven. Uh, you might uh, say underwhelming if you're if you're looking at a more uh, negative slant. I think Alex Singleton showed us a little bit last year. He seems like he's a guy who's constantly around the ball, uh, a pretty sure tackler. He was a pleasant surprise. Um, and then you've got T.J. Edwards, the undrafted uh, third-year player uh, who. Didn't do a whole lot. I mean, he had some flashes here and there, again, of being an unathletic but solid tackler. But he's not a guy, again, that is really going to give you a lot of juice on the, on that defense. Last year's draft picks, Davion Taylor, who is still a project. And Sean Bradley. I thought Bradley had some intriguing moments last year for the Eagles. If Some, some of the X's and O's o guys uh, during the course of last season uh, noted some really strong play from Sean Bradley in certain situations. And I'm, I'm really intrigued by what he might be able to do, given more playing time. But it's an unproven group of linebackers outside of Eric Wilson and for Wilson to be the number one uh, again for three and a quarter million dollars it's it's a good deal this is again not a part of the defense that the Eagles have poured a lot of attention and prioritized a whole lot in recent seasons this has typically been a team that's gone really strong along the defensive line and uh, they've tried to add bodies at cornerback over these last couple of years even though many of them haven't worked out but uh, this is a solid upgrade for the Eagles defense and again I am surprised they were able to, to land a guy like this at this point in the offseason, given the salary cap restraints that they have. But Eric Wilson, your new middle linebacker, the Eagles uh, went out and got somebody this week. The Eagles also signed running back Jordan Howard to a one-year deal. And I think the question you're asking yourself, the question I'm asking myself is why? <laughs> you know, why, why add Jordan Howard? It's very possible he doesn't even make the team. This, this is a guy who... Although he is just 26 years old, hasn't shown a whole lot of juice since he got hurt with the Eagles two years ago. He was effective for them early in the season uh, when he first signed with the team. I guess what was 2019 as well. But after he got injured, didn't play much for the rest of that year. And then last season was a ghost. Even when he came back to the Eagles was was pretty much a ghost. Didn't have a whole lot of juice left in him. And you wonder if there's any tread left on those tires. I can't really think of a reason why they brought him back last year that made a whole lot of sense. And so I just don't think he's a number two running back anymore. But behind Miles Sanders, you have Boston Scott. Boston Scott's season last year was not as good as his 2019. I don't know that you're relying on Boston Scott to do a whole lot for you. Corey Clement didn't turn out to be a whole lot. I mean, what happened to Corey Clement in that 2017 season? It really looked like the Eagles had found themselves a player, but I guess injuries to Corey Clement have kind of sapped his ability. So the Eagles bring back Jordan Howard on a one-year deal, but Again, not an overwhelming choice here, not a guy that's going to break the bank, not a not a guy that's going to really move the needle in terms of wins and losses, and it just kind of feeds into the whole offseason as a whole. And this is something I wrote for Bleeding Green Nation this week. This offseason has had no juice, really. This has been one of the more boring offseasons. I guess I'll say the more boring free agency offseasons in recent Eagles memory and, and leading up to the draft. Yes, when the season when the season first ended, the Eagles were the talk of football with all of the drama going on with Carson Wentz 
and Doug Peterson and hiring Nick Sirianni. But even the Nick Sirianni hiring didn't have a whole lot of juice to it. Not a big name guy, not a guy that any of us were familiar with. His opening press conference was less than overwhelming. There's just a sense that you've got a guy here in Nick Sirianni and his coaching staff that's unproven. We don't know what we have in them. And they're, they're they're not star coaches. And that's fine. You know, Doug Peterson was not a star coach, but at least he kind of knew who he was. Um, Chip Kelly was a star. That was a that was a star guy that you you brought on here. But the the fact that since trading Carson Wentz and and letting Doug Peterson go, after, there was juice there. It just didn't taste very good, right? It was like grapefruit juice. It was kind of sour, a little bitter. You don't really want to have a you know. It's not something you really want to drink unless you have to drink it. Uh, it's, unless you're going to pour you know a cup of sugar in each glass. So that was the first part of the offseason, dealing with all that unpleasantness. And then since then, just knowing that the Eagles were not going to be heavily involved in free agency because of the salary cap situation that they had has really made this offseason boring and lackluster. There was some excitement when the Eagles had the number six pick in the draft, but even moving down from six to 12 takes a lot of the juice out of the draft. And so the Eagles could keep moving down and seeing a lot of stuff about the Eagles may not be done moving around. And if you're going to move from six to 12 and you get a good, you get another second round pick to move from 12 into the twenties. Yeah. At this point, you know, I, why not? I I still think the player you're going to get at 12 is certainly a whole lot more of a sure thing than a player you're going to get in the mid twenties. But that being said, if you're getting an extra second round pick, if you're getting more shots at this thing, would you do it? It's, it's what a rebuilding team does. It's what a rebuilding team should do. I just wish I had more confidence in Howie Roseman to actually draft the right players. So This team has not shown an ability to draft players well in recent seasons. And so there's two arguments there. Do you give Howie Roseman, a guy who has a, a poor draft a track record in drafting players, more draft picks to, to waste? Or do you go with the theory that if you give him more draft picks and give him more chances, he's more likely to have some success with some of those picks. It's two different schools of thought as far as acquiring more draft picks here, given the Eagle situation and the guy making the selections. And I, I feel like I lean more towards the former, that giving Howie Roseman more draft picks just gives him more chances to screw up. But the optimist take on it is if you give him more draft picks, you give him more opportunities to get lucky or you give him more opportunities to maybe hit on something here and there. And it's not that it's not like Howie Roseman has missed on every single draft pick he's ever made, but the vast majority of them have not worked out, especially the high profile ones in the first round. I would like to see Howie Roseman stay higher in the first round because I think you, you have a stronger shot at getting a sure fire good player in the first round rather than somebody like Jalen Rager or rather than somebody like Andre Dillard where they're they're not at the top of the first round they they are perceived to be good players because they are taken in the first round but have a lot of question marks and we've seen that with Dillard and with Jalen Rager these first two years and then of course with J.J. Ortega-Whiteside Miles Sanders has has to stay healthy I mean Miles Sanders hasn't really broken out in the way that we were hoping that he would break out just yet so there's a lot of there's a lot of angst about the draft but that doesn't mean it's been juice. You know, that doesn't mean there's been good juice around this team. In previous seasons, there's just been a lot of juice with this team. You know, Carson Wentz coming back, coming off the 2019 playoff run. You know, going into last year, we thought the Eagles would be pretty good. We thought Carson Wentz would have a solid season. There was excitement because you had a franchise quarterback. You had some talent around him. You still had Doug Peterson, a Super Bowl winning head coach. You had Jim Schwartz, a Super Bowl winning defensive coordinator. For however much you like or dislike Jim Schwartz, there is juice with this team, right? You, you did have some offensive players. 
years. You had some guys on defense. You at least thought this team can make a run in a weak division. And then it all fell apart. It all came, it all came to pieces. Injuries and underperformance and, of course, the Carson Wentz fiasco scuttled the entire season. So now you've got Jalen Hurts at quarterback, and there's just there's not a lot of juice there. Because you don't know if he's your franchise quarterback. You don't know how good he can be. And the team has been in such a a horrible salary cap situation that they have not been able to add established pieces around Jalen Hurts on offense. And they have not been able to add established pieces on defense, star players on defense, to make that unit better. And you don't know what you have in Nick Sirianni. But I think this is what happens when you're a rebuilding team. And it's been a while since the Eagles have had to go through something like this, when you're trapped in the salary cap hell that they're in, when you've been kicking the can down the road year after year after year, eventually you have to pay the piper. And when you have to trade Carson Wentz because of your stupid actions over the last couple of years, and you have to, pay, you have to swallow over $30 million in dead cap money just to, to trade him away, this is what happens. You have a year like this where the Eagles have to take a gap year, right? And that's and that's where they are right now. So there's we knew going into the offseason there wasn't going to be any juice in free agency. They were not going to be swinging big trades. You keep keep hearing all these rumors that pop up on Bleeding Green Nation uh, when we do our links uh, every morning. Are these, you know, look for Howie Roseman likes to make a big splash. You're like, that's just not going to happen this offseason. It's just not. Anybody who thought it was is is kidding themselves. So you've got an Eagles team here that just is trying to look two, three, four years down the line, and that's why you're getting no juice. So I understand. It's just the interest level in this team right now is is not terribly high. But I will tell you, if you are a rebuilding team, an offseason with no juice might just be the best thing for them. This team needs to get better. They need to get younger. They need to bring in more draft picks. They need to have cheaper talent. They need to build again and build the foundation from the bottom up. 2021 is going to be a bad year, guys. And we all know that. The idea here is to set yourself up for 2022 with good, strong, young talent and get yourself out of the salary cap mess that you're in and hopefully get things back on the right path. And we're going to talk with Jim Sonis here in just a second about what the Eagles might do in the draft to help get them back on the right path. What do they start building? Do they build with offensive line? Do they build? Do they do they spend another high round pick, first round pick on a wide receiver? We've been going to that well a lot lately. First and second rounders on wide receivers haven't been working out. Do they go that route again? Do they look to shore up the defensive line? Do they get a cornerback early in the first round to, to, to help out with that situation? There's so many holes on this team. There's so many different places they can go, and they're going to they're gonna get them all through the draft. And you can forgive Eagles fans if they're not confident that this team is going to build a winner to stock the shelves with good players by getting them through the draft because they haven't done it in the last few years. So we're going to talk to Jim Sonis coming up here in just a couple of minutes. My good buddy from numberfire.com is going to share with us his thoughts on what the Eagles and the rest of the NFC East have done so far this offseason in free agency and preview this month's draft. That's coming up next here on Eye on the Enemy. Well, it's always my pleasure to uh, talk to one of my really good friends from NumberFire.com. A few years ago, I I used to write for NumberFire.com. I wrote baseball articles, and Jim Sonis and I were uh, colleagues there. He's he's been writing NFL and Major League Baseball stuff for for a number of years for for NumberFire.com. He also hosts a couple of really great podcasts for NumberFire. One of them is called NumberFire Daily Fantasy. 
Uh, it's a, it's a look at for DFS players. He's a, he's it's a daily podcast that takes a look at not only baseball but the NFL and a bunch of other sports too. And also a, a podcast called Covering the Spread, a more gambling focused podcast for you uh, from NumberFire.com. You can follow Jim on Twitter at Jim Sonnes, J I M S A N N E S. Jim, welcome to Eye on the Enemy, buddy. How are you? I'm great now, John. I get to talk to John Stolness. Like, what yeah. can be better than that? This is a great way to start my Thursday. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Unfortunately, we don't get a chance to chat a whole lot anymore. Um, yeah. But uh, this is always fun to be able to do a, a few times a year. And because I know you guys are just busy as heck right now trying to cover everything going on with the draft and you know, what teams are going to be doing. And it's it's a crazy time for everybody involved in the NFL. So what have you guys got going on with number fire right now oh, that's, that, that's cooking? <laughs> It's nuts because we had the draft stuff you were talking about. I'm making win total projections for the first time, which I've never done. They could be terrible. I don't know. I've, I haven't been able to back test them. So we'll see <laughs> if they suck. Uh, but trying to figure out, especially because like for me, like I knew I was going to have a hard time adjusting to 17 games. So I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I can safeguard against this by just making actual win total projections. And that'll actually give me a number. So that was the main thought process there. But so we got that. We got the draft. I'm doing NASCAR and golf stuff in addition to baseball. So mm. it is a very busy time of year. So it's, it's a fun busy though. So I'm mm. not going to complain. Like it's a lot better than last April. I, I'm not yeah. going to, not going to complain after what we've been through for sure. So it's a good busy is what I'd say. All right. Well, that's good, man. And, and, you know, I know uh, the masters is this weekend and mm-hmm. that's good. That's obviously a, a big event for everybody. So um, that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm sure I actually we're recording on Thursday. So I imagine, I think they probably already teed off the, some of the early, some of the early. I've got teams, my right? leaderboard with my player pool up here, okay. tracking it uh, <laughs> between answers. So we're good. There you go. There you go. Well, let's talk some football and obviously on eye on the enemy, we really try and take a look at what's going on inside the NFC East and we get an idea of what uh, some of the Eagles competitors are doing. And I really feel like, I, I don't know, I wanted to get your thought on this tweet that I saw Mike Clay from ESPN tweet out. I think it was last week or two weeks ago, but he, he was looking, and I think he was just looking at the offensive side of the ball. He didn't make it clear, but he said, if you take the quarterbacks out of the equation and you look at the Washington football team's roster now, and you look at the New York Giants roster right now, he said they could have two of the top 10 rosters in the NFL which when you're coming off a season where everybody in the division finished under 500 and nobody looked really good, that kind of took me by surprise and kind of tells me a little bit about what these teams have done this offseason in free agency so far. Now, obviously the quarterback is a huge thing. If your quarterback stinks, it doesn't really matter what else you have as we saw with the Cowboys last year. But I wanted to get your thoughts first on what Mike Clay had to say. If If we're just looking at the offensive side of the ball and you look at Washington, you look at New York, do you see potentially two top 10 rosters there? Yes, I think that you're looking in the right places. Mike Clay is an incredibly smart human. So if you're going to look somewhere, look to Mike Clay. I think that's a smart way to do things for sure. I think that I have some reservations around Washington's, specifically the left tackle position. And like, I never want to overstress one position, but if I'm going to overstress one position, it's probably going to be left tackle or center because they're so such key cogs to making sure the offensive line operates efficiently. If they could shore up left tackle, I'd feel pretty good about them outside of quarterback. I have... I think I have more concerns around Ryan Fitzpatrick than most people do. And I, it sounds like based on the wording of that tweet that Mike might as well, it does help the defense should be very good. When I'm talking about like my win total projections, they are heavily weighted towards offensive passing efficiency because it's easier to predict offensive efficiency year over year versus yeah. defensive efficiency. So Washington probably would wind up being underrated based on this. It's just because I weight so heavily towards offense versus defense. And they're a very good defense. It does factor in pass defense a lot, but I think they're going to wind up being underrated there just because 
I still have more concerns around Fitzpatrick than others do. But if you take that out of consideration, the rest of their offensive line, very good. The pass catcher is pretty good now with Curtis Samuel being there. So I think that I can buy that one. The Giants might be tougher for me to get behind just because I think that offensive line has bigger concerns. They traded away or they cut, I guess, Kevin Zeitler. Mm-hmm. And he's one of the better or has been historically one of the better pass blocking offensive linemen, especially for interior guys in the league. That concerns me. And like, if we are going beyond that and looking at factory in quarterback play, it especially concerns me given Daniel Jones's propensity for sacks. Uh, he loves to hold on to the football yes, and does. then let go of the football after he gets hit. <laughs> so that would concern me a lot. I think that those two positions, I don't want to, again, I don't want to overanalyze two specific positions, but I think for Washington and New York specifically, the gaps they have on their offensive line do concern me a pretty decent amount. Yeah, and I guess maybe I overplayed it a little bit because I, I you, you look at some of the, the moves they've made this offseason. They have made some big additions. Washington and New York has always had issues with their skill position players, and they seem to have really focused on that this offseason, getting Ryan Fitzpatrick and getting Daniel Jones some help. I mean, you look at the you look at the let's look at the New York Giants, first of all. You look at the players they have around Daniel Jones. They have Saquon Barkley coming back. We forget that he missed all of last year. Right. Um, and then you have, you know, they they just brought on Kenny Galladay. Um, you know, I think uh, Darius Slayton is a, is a really good wide receiver. Um, you've got Evan Engram, who has flashed really, really, you know, big time playmaking ability. And, you know, you mentioned the offensive line is, is definitely a question mark. But and then you look at Washington, you know, they went out and they got Samuel, as you talked about. Antonio Gibson's going to be in his second year. Terry McLaurin, I think, is, you know, if he has a, somebody who can really throw him the rock back right. there could could really burst out. So which team do you think has improved this uh, and themselves the most since the end of last season, Washington or New York? So I can actually get this for you because uh, <laughs> I have these numbers pulled up here. If I look at teams that improved themselves since I, the most since I initially built out my uh, win total projections, Washington is actually number one in the league. Uh, like they actually are the team that has improved the most. And a lot of that is Fitzpatrick. And again, I am being very conservative with my projections with Fitzpatrick because a lot of times journeymen are journeymen for a reason, yeah. but they're the prior on them for their projected passing offense was so bad that getting Fitzpatrick in there did improve them a lot. And when you pair that with the defense that they have, that could actually do some damage. So they actually have 1.9 wins for me since uh, the start of free agency. It's a pretty decent amount. I think yeah. again, I play things pretty conservatively. So 1.9 wins is a big number. The giants are at 0.6 wins. So the Kenny Galladay move definitely did help them. I don't know about the Addery Jackson money. I think it's a, it was interesting, the, the amount yeah. they gave there. But adding bodies to the secondary, especially when you got James Bradbury already there, can be good. So they've gotten better. The reason I can't go more aggressive with boosting them is because, again, I think that the mesh of Daniel Jones with a an offensive line that's gotten worse with regards to pass blocking that really scares me because it could bring out the the really bad sides of Daniel Jones. Mm-hmm. So it's not a it's not a Josh Allen situation where when Josh Allen heading into year two, they got him a better offensive line, added a lot of depth there. And then in year three, added Stephon Diggs. The Giants added Kenny Galladay in year three. And he's not Stephon Diggs, but he's a very good player. Mm-hmm. But the offensive line may have taken a step back. Maybe Andrew Thomas gets better. That could be something that could offset uh, the Zeitler loss. And he did play better in the second half last year than the first half. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there's enough there for me to feel super optimistic about them. So to me, I'm going Washington actually is the most improved team in football right now. Oh, wow. That's not good news for Eagles fans. Although I think, you know, we're going to get to the Eagles in just a minute. We're right. I think, I think taking a gap year this year. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, so who's been the most impactful player 
that has come to the NFC East here in free agency so far? I know you say Washington's improved the most overall, but who's the most impactful player that has joined the division? So I think that if we're talking about relative 2020, it's a lot of guys with the Dallas Cowboys. And it's not because of free agency signings. It's because of injuries, because yeah. we know Dak. Obviously, Dak's the big thing. But you add in Tyron Smith back. You add Lyle Collins back. They had other injuries along the offensive line. So if we're talking about improvements from 2020 specifically, I think that those readditions via health are bigger than any free agent signing that we've had in the entire division. I would say like, Dak is one, adding him back. Tyron Smith's probably number two. Mm. And you can make the case for Lyle Collins being like fifth or so. I think Fitzpatrick would be above him. Um, I think that the, the, the defensive signings they made in the secondary Washington has made, I think that definitely does help too. But I think that Dallas actually wound up getting the most impactful moves just via health. And I haven't done a whole lot in free agency. Uh, they did add Keanu Neal, which is pretty interesting given that they sound like they wanted to play linebacker now. So from a free agency perspective, they haven't actually gotten a whole lot better, but I do think that the re-additions via health for them are impactful. And I think that based on the way I've heard people discussing Washington with regards to divisional betting, I think we might be potentially overstating the gains they've made or underrating the Cowboys. I kind of think that's where I'm at right now. I think we might be selling the Cowboys a bit short, given all the firepower they're getting back. Talking to Jim Sonis from numberfire.com. Again, follow him on Twitter at Jim Sonis. Uh, so let's talk about the draft a little bit here. Um, coming up rapidly and every team, the mock drafts are out there like wildfire. Uh, you can't, you can't put them out. Uh, you don't know which, which ones are legit. <laughs> I hate, I hate mock drafts with trades in them, you know, cause <laughs> People trying to predict trades and stuff drives me absolutely crazy. So um, I ignore any mock draft that has trades in it. Uh, but um, as you've been looking at some of the mocks and you look at some of the needs that these teams within the division still have, um, let's just kind of run down the teams real quick. Uh, let's start with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, seems to me they just need to go all in on adding defense here in the draft. Is that about where you are? I think so. Because if you look at this, this offense, I think they will be very good as they are. And they could be disgustingly good. And like, sure. Like if Kyle Pitts falls to you at 10, you don't say no. I think that's kind of the situation they should be in where you can, they have flexibility to take a guy if they happen to fall. But if, if they, if they don't have that chance to get a true difference maker like him, go defense, improve that because if they can improve their defense, they will wind up being a team that my win total projections are going to like a lot. If I pull up my spreadsheet here, there's a lot of green on Dallas and offense and there's a lot of red on defense. It's, I think it's gotten better given some of the changes they made defensively. And they were, I would say better than perception last year. Defensively, Mm -hmm. they got better as the year went along and also their defensive coordinator job was just hideous. So like that, they should improve by subtraction there. Um, but I think that if they can add an impact defensive player, specifically a guy who could help them against the pass, they could be a pretty dangerous team. So I would be looking at them like if they can add another corner or add uh, you know, a guy who can generate some pass rush, I would say they could be really, really fun next year. Where do you see the New York Giants focusing a lot of their attention in the, in the draft? Based on what they've done so far this offseason, it really does seem like they are committed to helping out Daniel Jones. And so I look at a guy like Rashawn Slater, who I think is pretty fun. I think that he fits well with the Giants because he has positional versatility. You don't necessarily want to draft a guy who is a guard earlier in the draft, but sometimes we can find guys who are difference makers because of versatility, because of what they can do. And I think that Rashawn Slater could wind up being those one of those guys. So yeah, if you take him 
in at 11, you're probably assuming he plays tackle, maybe he moves to, to right tackle and they can, uh, you know, shift some things around there. But I think that overall it would be a good selection for them. And I think that he'd be a valuable addition. So to me, I would say I would just keep on bolstering the offense, try to give Daniel Jones as much support as you could possibly do. And based on the fact they're picking at 11, I think that would probably be via Rashawn Slater, unless mm-hmm. one of the truly impactful guys drops. They're kind of like the, the Cowboys where if, Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts is there. Just go ahead. You know, it's an embarrassment of riches, but why not? But I think that offensive line would, for me, be the priority still. You know, I think the worst thing, I mean, listen, I I live in the Northern Virginia area, so everybody was obviously happy that football team uh, made the playoffs last year. And and football team fans wouldn't want football team to not make the playoffs if football team had the opportunity. (laughs) I just like calling it football team, right? (laughs) Um, obviously. But, you know, uh, that hurt them in a way because they're picking much further down in the first round. They they still need a franchise quarterback. They don't have one, which is why they went with Fitzmagic here uh, in, in free agency. And so while you would think, obviously, they would try to focus focus on a quarterback that doesn't seem like that that's a possibility they're strong on defense they've added some pieces on offense where do you see them uh, do you see them filling needs or are they just going best best player available wherever they're picking I still think that they're like kind of a dark horse to trade up for a quarterback just because they've been pretty vocal about saying we're not set there yet mm-hmm. uh, it seems like they are still okay so if we get a situation where Trey Lance winds up falling I think that could be a great landing spot I think there are a lot of places that would fit Trey Lance pretty well just because He's someone you don't want to play right away, but has a lot of upside. You can kind of bank on that upside. I'm willing to bank on upside if the position is right. I think it is right at quarterback. So you could bring Trey Lance in, let him sit behind Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, let him play. And yes, it's not going to impact you for 2021 necessarily because it would be Fitzpatrick playing, but you can get a guy who could potentially be a very good quarterback in this league I think that that's worth that move. So I would say that they're still in play for a quarterback. If they don't go quarterback, I think they need to get a left tackle like blatantly. And there will be guys available where they're picking who could potentially step in on day one and be a starting left tackle. So I would say it's still offensive focus for them, specifically uh, quarterback. If they decide to move up or if they stay put, I think that left tackle should be a, a massive, massive priority for them. All right, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the Eagles here uh, as as we wrap things up. Um, Eagles fans understand they they came into this offseason in salary cap uh, Hades. Uh, they had they had no money to maneuver, um, and and now here they are having done virtually nothing in free agency. They added a they added a safety, they added a starting linebacker, uh, Jordan Howard. Couldn't get enough of him. We had to bring him back for, <laughs> for for another go behind Miles Sanders. And but that's really it's nothing impactful. That's really going to move the needle as far as I don't know what your win projections are for the Philadelphia Eagles, but I would imagine it's not good, right? Nope. It's not good. Uh, let's see here. Uh, it's 5.6. Uh, that might be too low, but it's because I have their projected offensive efficiency being very bad. So well, it's, it's well, I mean, you don't know what you have in Jalen hurts yet. And and who are the wide receivers? I mean, Travis Fulgham's a guy who was awesome for four weeks and then right. couldn't get back on the field. And, and then you have Jalen Rager who, who, what is Jalen Rager? JJ, I think Whiteside. we kind of know what that is. Greg Ward, you know, if you're, if your metrics are weighted towards passing efficiency, I five and 5.6 might be high. 
Yeah. And, and if you look at their win totals, uh, like DraftKings has win totals posted for this year, this would be under for them. I yeah. don't want to bet the under yet because I think that, like you said, Jalen Hurts has upside. Like he could wind up being a good quarterback. I just don't want to project that because I don't think that's the median outcome for this team is him being a hyper-efficient passer. But I think the the good thing that they have is they have assets for 2022 in the draft because mm-hmm. they did pick up that first round pick. I think in, if you're in their position, that's exactly what you should do. You should get as many draft picks as you possibly can because they're cost controlled. Uh, that's great for the uh, team in their salary cap position. You're giving yourself shots at upside, but also you have a lot of holes to fill. Like you look across this roster, they need guys at a bunch of different positions. So I think they're taking the right approach. Give yourselves as many, give yourself as many wax at the board as you can possibly get. See if you can find some high upside guys. I think that if I, I were the Eagles, I might have waited to trade down just because the possibility of someone like if Justin Fields were there at six, I would have wanted to take Justin Fields if I were the Eagles. And I would wanted to wait to see if that happened before moving back. But I can understand what they're doing. You know, like you said, probably not going to be their year in 2021. So get assets for the future. Give yourself additional wax at the dartboard uh, mm-hmm. for, for to see if you can hit on a couple of guys and just kind of, you know, take take 21 2021 off and mm-hmm. see what you can do for 2022 and beyond yeah and that seems to be what they're really trying to do is take a whack at a quarterback next year by mm-hmm. you know if that Carson Wentz if he if he does what everybody thinks Carson Wentz will do in, in Indianapolis or at least hopes will do you get three first rounders next yeah. year give yourselves a lot of ammunition to either go after Russell Wilson in a trade or a trade up in the draft to go grab a quarterback that you really like um, but it also does make Eagles fans nervous because Howie Roseman's draft history has not been stellar and so more 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 shots at it uh, doesn't necessarily I mean maybe maybe that is what Howie Roseman needs more shots yeah, at I mean, it. You know, if you're just admit praying. your own faults, yeah. like if, if, if you, if you stink at kicking field goals, kick more field goals, because then the, the raw number of field goals <laughs> you get will be higher. Like that's right. the way you have to kind of to approach this year. Well, with pick number 12, uh, do you think, uh, who do you, th- who do you see the, the Eagles taking at, at pick number 12? What are some possibilities there? The benefit that they have is that they are in position to capitalize if any of the truly impactful guys fall, because like I said, they have needs everywhere. Mm-hmm. So if Kyle Pitts, he's not going to be there. Like, I don't, I don't think there's any chance he's there. But like, if you were there hypothetically, take him. If Jamar Chase falls, take him. If Devontae Smith falls, take him. I would say Jalen Waddell is at least in that discussion too. It's, you know, we, you got the speed with Rager last year, but I think that Waddle brings you speed with the potential for productivity within that speed. I don't think he's like a sure bet or anything. So maybe you don't want to take him at 12 overall, but there is at least upside there. I would say offensive line once again winds up being mm-hmm. yep. a position of need just because you saw last year the issues that you get when you have an older offensive line. They just come a little apart. They, they'll be healthier this year and you get Dillard back and stuff like that, which maybe that works out. But I do think that they need to make some additions there just because the age along the offensive line is so elevated. Maybe they're not guys who play right away, mm-hmm. but they could be players who, who are contributing to you in 2022. And again, that's kind of the focus date, I think, for the Eagles right now. Based on the way they played things so far, it does seem like they're looking towards the future. If you're looking towards the future, I think offensive line does really need to be a priority, if, if not in the first round, very early for them this year. Sounds like a plan to me. And, you know, at 12, because they have so many needs, you're, you're gonna, they're going to probably take the best player available yeah. Whatever it happens, it's not to be a bad position to be in to yeah. have that flexibility. I mean, it's you're in the position because you have a lot of needs, which yeah. is not great, but it does allow them to kind of take whatever falls. And I think that given 
the number of quarterbacks who could go in the top nine picks this year, it's not a bad year to be in that position by any means. Right. I was on the uh, WIP morning show, the sports radio station in Philadelphia uh, last week. And they were, uh, right. Rhea Hughes is uh, one of the co-hosts. And she said, you know, if, there, if there's somebody there at 12, that the Eagles that Howie Roseman and Jeff Lurie really don't like, that is absolutely the person that they should pick. So <laughs> anybody they don't like, that's, that's not a high on their board. That's the guy to take. That's the guy right. just based on exactly. past history. I mean, they could um, just trade back again too, honestly. Like yeah, why not just yeah. lean fully yeah. into it again, yeah. give yourself more swipes. That's right. All right. So I think I know the answer to this question before, before I ask it based on what you were telling me with wind projection totals, but you know, I'll ask it this way. What needs to happen for the Philadelphia Eagles to make the postseason next year? Jalen hurts has to be a hit. Like that, that has to happen. And like, that could happen. That's very much within the range of outcomes because he was very productive at Oklahoma. I don't think you can look really to, at his Alabama, his time at Alabama to judge him as a passer. Look at him at Oklahoma. He was an efficient passer. He was a guy who was willing to be aggressive and throwing downfield, which is not, I think, in line with perception of him, but he would do that. And I think that was really encouraging uh, his final year there. Definitely didn't blow the doors off his first year, but you do get a lot of versatility with him offensively uh, because of what he can do, his varied skill set. So if we're like mapping out a range of outcomes, I don't think the most likely scenario is that Jalen Hurts winds up being a star, but could that happen? Absolutely, for sure. Like he's so, he like, he's such a hard worker from everything that we hear, he's going to be striving towards that. He does that a lot with his legs, and that's great for offensive efficiency. Having a rushing yeah. quarterback is tremendous for that, and maybe he winds up being a good player. That I, that could very well happen. So again, I'm not thinking it's the most likely scenario, but it's something that could happen. And I think that if they're going to make the playoffs, it would need to be because Jalen Hurts winds up being the quarterback that he was at Oklahoma, which again, very it's possible it could happen, just not the most likely scenario. Folks, if you like everything you just heard, uh, there's no reason not to go subscribe on Apple Podcasts, wherever else is you get your podcasts, and get Jim Sonis in your earballs every day on the Number Fire Daily Fantasy Podcast and also his uh, betting podcast covering the spread. Subscribe to those things. Bang the subscribe button and do it. And check out numberfire.com every day. They've got great stuff there. I used to be a, a baseball writer there, and I can tell you it's filled with people who know what they're talking about. Follow Jim on Twitter at Jim Sonis. Jim, thanks for coming on Eye on the Enemy, buddy. I appreciate it. John, it was great. Uh, pleasure to talk to you as always. And I, I really appreciate you having, having me on. Thank you. And folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. Just a reminder to continue to check out BleedingGreenNation.com every single day. We'll keep you updated on the latest rumors about what the Eagles might do in the NFL draft. And we'll also keep you up to date on what Washington, New York, and Dallas is doing as they get ready for the NFL draft. And uh, make sure you're checking out all of our fine podcasts here at the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. Leave a a five-star rating and a review at Apple Podcasts. And tell a friend about all of the stuff we have here for you at the Bleeding Green Nation podcast. Feed. Thanks everybody for tuning in. I'll talk to you next time here on Eye on the Enemy. B G N.